500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy everyone this is x-band the phantom podcast our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can subscribe to our podcast via youtube or through your favorite podcast apps this is episode 220 our may 2022 comics and news podcast Take it away, Sammy. You enjoyed that, Steve? I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Phantom. Thank you for doing the introduction there for us today for our May Comics and News podcast. That's all right, Steve. More on you later. We'll, we'll, we'll be discussing you a little bit later on. We'll put him away now. <laughs> uh, today, like I said, or like... Um, uh, Phantom said we are doing comics and news and we are joined with all the members of Chronicle Chamber, all the Australian members of Chronicle Chamber. G'day, Jermaine, how are you? Hey, you go, mate. So, yeah, so if you're on audio, Steve held up the Boss Fight Studio figurine, if you didn't quite figure that one out. Um, <laughs> saying a little bit different. Uh, well done, mate. Um, I think I think everyone could probably do it with a bit more laughter in their life, so hopefully uh, someone found that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you, don't, if you don't usually watch the YouTube, it's worth getting along just to watch the first 30 seconds today just for that one. Good on you, Steve. <laughs> uh, no worries, Dan. Good to see you. Right, yeah, so we've got a little bit to get through. Uh, Fru has released a few comics, uh, three, I think, and Phantomen's done their bit. And the Sunday story has wrapped up, uh, uh, which, which is nice, and started a new one there. And then we've got our news, and we'll get into that in just a moment. So we'll start off with talking through. Um, now, with through, uh, two issues have got um, parts of an ongoing story. Shall we p- talk about the story as a whole or talk about issues as a whole? What do we think? I think talk about uh, the two Paris stories yep. and then talk about the two issue with Heloise stories. And then once we've done that, the covers and stuff like that, then we can go back to through 1918, which is the replica. Okay, so through 1917 and through 1919, both have um, uh, part, well, have parts three and four respectively of Pede Anderson's um, Paris uh, saga, for lack of a better term for it. Um, 1917 is, we've got here with Phantom in the Crypt underneath Paris, and it's called Beneath the Streets of Paris. Fantastic cover there by, it looks like a... Nicholas Scott. Nicholas Scott. It is, of um, Nightwing fame. So, first impressions, fellas, what what do you think of this story? Uh, Dan, we'll go with you. Oh, look, if we're going to start on the cover, I love the cover. Um, the, the the skull motif, I guess, around the, the stairwell maybe was a little repetitive, um, but the actual dy- dynamic... Dynam- Dynamic way in which the Phantom's <laughs> coming up the stairs and just, uh, yeah, is all alive and, and coming around and just the, the expression on the face. I really, um, I really like it. So, um, yeah, no, great cover. Cool. What do you reckon, uh, Jam? It, it is. I really uh, enjoyed it. I didn't mind the uh, extra skulls, like, along the, the pillars. Um, probably the only thing that, Probably irked me was a minor thing, and that's the uh, the ring on the hand. I guess at least there is one. 
but uh, it's kind of in the wrong position. But I, I like... I just slipped a bit, yeah, I see. I like how free are uh, getting... I'm not sure if anyone's noticed, but they're getting all female artists to do the covers for these uh, Paris stories. Um, oh. I, I kind of like that. I like to see a little bit more... Look, it's, it's good to see a bit, a bit of diversity, I guess, is probably the right way. But the good thing is, is that, that I like about it is that these aren't token artists they're all amazing artists and they've done they've done a great job um and it's good to see new artists from different areas uh there's you know there's an australian one there's a couple of australians there's a couple from around the around the world and stuff like that as well so it's good to see it's good to see new artists uh being involved with the phantom um uh, as well so um I, I i like it um and i enjoyed this, this story as well i really did yeah, the story's a bit of a cracker. We've got um, now the, the, the front cover is uh, a bit of a um, uh, – it's from the scene where, where he is actually in the catacombs and there are skulls along the, along the wall. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, we've, we've got the old uh, Helen, Brim, Brim, uh, Helen Brimstone-type preacher who's um, saying that the end of the world is nigh and that there's these elder gods underneath, living underneath the streets of Paris – and uh, it's up to the Phantom to get be, um, get to the bottom of these mysterious disappearances. Um, but it isn't really the Phantom who saves the day. We're talking about strong female artists. We've got strong female characters in, in this. With um, with Jane, how, how do you feel about Jane um, and how she's written in these stories, Jim? I I really like Jane. Um, we've just done a podcast with uh, Peter Anderson. We discussed this with him. But I like how these six stories feature a phantom that we probably don't know too much about previously. And so we get, it's almost like we get to know Jane as a person better and the phantom, the 19th phantom, better as well. Um, I love the, you know, the moments when, um, uh, you know, the phantom tricked Jane into eating snails. Um, oh, tricks are strong where just didn't let her know <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know it, i'm sure we've all done something like that with our wives before or we would if we were in the op if we had the option um I, I like it jane's a strong person she um she plays a trick on the phantom in a sense in uh issue 1919 um so you know there's that there's that little love banter between them uh she's a great uh, she saves the day. I really liked how she saved the day uh, in this mm. story. Yeah. What about you, um, Dan? Do you enjoy actually seeing something about the, the fans' wives more in these stories? Yeah, I do. And it's, um, it, you know, we could easily be having the same conversation if it was Diana. And we've, all, we've often had many conversations about um, Diana and her worth as a character and the, uh, the strength that she shows in 21st Phantom stories. Um, I think this would be certainly one of the... Um, Earlier, the most I've ever ever read about an earlier Phantom's wife, um, that being Jane, the, the wife of the nineteenth Phantom, um, a, a bit around um, uh, the seventeenth Phantom's wife. I think would would have had explored her a little bit as well. But um, this is um, by the time we've with the issue nineteen nineteen is what the fourth instalment. So we've seen four uh, stories from Peter Anderson now, and uh, really in this in this series. And, yeah, really enjoying the way that Jane uh, has her own dry wit and she has her own, um, her own. oh, my goodness, there you go off again, da-da-da. You know, you can't help yourself, can you? You've got to go and be the hero. 
that sort of vibe to her. Uh, but by the same token, particularly in the story that we're talking about here in uh, issue 1917, um, yeah, is uh, heavily involved in her own right. Yeah. And I think she's developed as a character over these last few issues. Um, yeah. Like in issue one or two, um, she was more like the restaurants and theatre going and, and shopping. And now she's out there trying to rescue this poor... She sees someone be abducted, I think, didn't she? And so she's yeah. gone to investigate it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think um, she's developing well. Anything else you'd like to say about it, Dan? So, so you, you're right, Dan. In, in a lot of stories, when we see stories about past Phantom Wives, there's usually... And, you know, we, we've, done a, we've done a bit of research in this recently. There's, there's usually maybe half a dozen stories about Phantom's Wives which isn't really much when you think about it. And so if and, you're going... And not even necessarily about the Phantom's Wives. It's more just what she's been in. Make an appearance and you get maybe yeah. one person to say, oh, she's the, the, a Spanish princess. And that's about all you can find out about her sort of thing. Whereas this isn't actually exploring her in yeah. the book. So I, I really like that. Um, look, this story, this story was a bit, it was a bit harder to read in the sense that there was a lot of wording you had to kind of figure out what was going on and there was a lot of backstory to kind of, I guess, fill you in. But um, by no means did I not like it. And then I guess we'll go to uh, issue 1919 soon. But the thing that I liked about that is that the pacing is a lot different. So it's like, you know, we get the different types of stories. So that's, that's another thing that I like about it as well. Well, there is a, a reasonable amount of exposition required in this one in terms of um, letting you know what what this secret cabal is yeah. um, who are under the, in, in the catacombs and that sort of stuff and what are their ambitions and goals and uh, all that sort of stuff. So um, I, I didn't, and maybe it's Percy Ochoa's artwork as well that, that drives the story along, um, but I didn't actually find it as um, as wordy as as I think I've, I've criticised Peter for in the past about being overly wordy, um, but I I even though you're right, as we scroll through this, you can see a lot of narrative um, and a lot of dialogue. Um, I think the art moved it along as well. So I, I didn't actually find that a concern in this one. I think, like, I'm just, I've paused on these pages here. So this is page uh, 12 and 13. There's a lot less words on this one. There's yeah. a larger panels um, and you, you're kind of letting the, you know, the, the, the drawing which Percy is, the art that Percy has done to tell the story. So there isn't really the need for that. Um, mm. The one thing that I, look, I've said it before and I'll say it again, like the, I am so reminded of uh, Caesar Spadera and I love Caesar Spadera's artwork growing up, uh, you know, in the nineties and early two thousands uh, reading with the Phantoms. You've got these big, large um, effects you know, words like, you know, them going click, clack, click, you know, the click, clack, clack, the, the round circles uh, as panels and all that. It just, I get filled with so much nostalgia reading these stories. I, you know, really, really getting a dig out of them. I really like how, and it might be just a little thing, but the way that uh, Percy's not afraid to put uh, the speech balloons coming outside the panel, yeah. because what he often does, and even uh, you, you've got this on page, what, 10 and 11 now, I think, um, but it's consistent on pretty much every page. Rather than fill up a smaller panel, the dialogue will break out to the, the down space or the blankish space in a, yeah. in a different panel or a neighbouring panel. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, really Which like allows that. the story to flow because you can see the pictures, everything's nice and clear. Yeah. Like yeah. you were saying. Yeah. 
No, Percy's done. Per, well, both of them have done a really good um, uh, series. Like, just um, you know, Peter's putting a he's putting his stamp on the Phantom Law and on mm. the 19th Phantom by doing these stories. Um, he's expanding the secondary characters like uh, Jane, um, you know, and stuff like that. He's also explored uh, Bert, which was he, which was Jane's brother in a previous mm. story as well. So he's he's putting a real stamp on some of these. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get to um, didn't get to come to the podcast where we where you were talking to Peter. But um, has he got any plans to keep going with the Nineteenth Phantom and Jane once they arrive back in? The jungle. This is obviously their honeymoon in Paris. Do so you mention anything about continuing with those characters? I'd you love to see how to, you just have to wait and listen to the podcast, like <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> I will give you this spoiler: he does love the era. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cool. He loves the era. All right. Um, so the, yeah, the era that the nineteenth. Uh, sorry, which phantom is 19th. he? Uh, he's nineteenth. Yeah. So that early nineteen uh, hundreds. That's his um, loves that era to work in. Um. Still on with the 19th Phantom um, and Pide's work is issue 1919. Uh, Balloon for the Moon. Uh, who, the cover artist was, I did read this before, Lauren Marshall. Marshall. Yep. And um, everything's going bananas on the cover there. <laughs> I really love this cover. Like it's yeah, a different, I thought it was great. A different art style. Um, it's probably reminds me more of the um, the graphic novel style that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like... With, you, you mean the, just the Phantom himself and the characterization of his body? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, and like the fingers and the... the, the um, what do you call it? What's it? Uh, the mask. And, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, like the fingers and stuff aren't as rounded as normal. They're more... Jagged, jagged. I guess is another way of explaining. It reminds but, me a bit like a Spider-Man pose. Yeah, but where, where obviously his I just, I just really like a lot. This is a really dynamic. Um, you've got, you know, you got the monkey. You've got the the rope is flying all around the place. Um, I think Lauren's done a great job. Uh, look forward but, to seeing him more. And um, yeah. it burst right off the cover. It looks like it's coming yeah. right off the cover, coming it's right at you. Three D like. One of the um, – my family really gets into Lego Masters and we're sort of catching <laughs> up just about to finish uh, Season 4 at the moment. And it, uh, we, we finished it last night, mate. <laughs> right, we've, got, we've got the finale to go tomorrow. But my point being, this this really struck me um, as one, – one of the things I've been talking about in Lego Masters is telling a story with an image, and it's obviously 3D image with Lego. But this this single image captures almost the entire story of the the tale you're about to read and what I like about it is as your eye moves around the page, um, there's just a little, there's hints of story all over the place. And Jeremy, you talked about the, the, the coiling rope as it runs through. The, the monkey's obviously, um, you know, really savage and angry, but it's gripping onto a banana and it's, you know, it's, it's obviously just hungry <laughs> because it's going through the fruit basket. In the background, we've got, you know, the telescopes hit the floor and the, the, the wine and the glass is being knocked over as well. And it's just, uh, and, and you can see that it's in a uh, early 1900s airship. Um, it just, um, the whole story, I, I really love. There's no wasted space at all on this one. Mm. And it, um, like you said, it, it tells a story, but doesn't give any other story away. But no, I actually spent a bit of time trying to work out how the hell they were getting, how Pide was going to get <laughs> that opening couple of um, pages 
to this story. It was crazy, yeah. but, he, but he did it. <laughs> he, he sure did. And um, once again, the, the story opens up in Paris. And um, we've got a couple of old fellas in a, uh, they're not real, they're having a bit of a secret meeting, a meeting with, a, well, even a Clayton's meeting, a meeting when you're not really having a meeting. To let them know that another meeting's about to happen. It's all kind of secret scribble type stuff. Flicking in the note, and then we have well, the ape, oh, the chimpanzee comes into it, and he's a just happens to be a Bengalan uh, chimpanzee, and he's from the uh, the circus, and he escapes and runs riot, and uh, that re- really what kicks off kicks off the story. Hmm. Um, now, before we started, uh, while we're waiting for you to, to join us, Dan, Jam and I were talking about it, and Jam, you had a, a few thoughts. You you enjoyed the pacing of the story, yeah, like. We've talked about it in the last one where the last one there was a lot more words and you kind of had to get the background to the story. I felt with this one there was no need with that. So it's just, it's kind of like you hit the ground running. It's so much you hit the ground running, there's no message from the publisher or, or anything like that. No, there, I forgot to say that. Um, no, there was an apology from, um, from Dudley in the, in the, at the start. So, yeah, sorry. but no room. Yeah, my apologies. Yeah. But due to and you can space. see with with a page with a big one page one panel page like page nine, you can kind of see where. And I, I'm glad like they did chop that out to include something like that. But the story is just really fast paced. There's no need for huge expira- uh, explanations or anything. Um, you know, straight away we're into the trouble. Uh, we're into trouble. You know, the monkey's causing the trouble, and the phantom comes to it. There's a bit of, like you said before, there was a bit of jokes between you know Jane and the phantom. Um, and, but I just really enjoyed it. It's like I just, I like, I was actually working when I got this, and I was like, oh, I'll read a couple of pages and you know get back into it. You know, thinking it's going to be like the others where I'm going to have to you know really focus, take some time out, um, and you know really really spend some time but before i knew it i had finished it and i really <laughs> enjoyed myself it was just kind of like wow that was a fun read and then i thought oh, okay i better get back to work now but um yeah i, I really enjoy, i really enjoyed this issue cool. just go back up to that page you're on there uh jam uh the very similar scene yep yep just down a bit page so 17 we're looking at yep i'll always love it when uh the fountain emerges from mr walker I always love it when he's coming out of whatever guys Mr. Walker's in. And, yeah, this really drew my eye. And it also happened in, in 1917 as well. There's a part where he's breaking out of Mr. Walker and, and becoming the Phantom. Mm. I love it. And I've, I've, it, it was, um, one of the first times I remember seeing it is, in the, um, is it Moonstone? Uh, Phantom KGB, the, the KGB Hammer or whatever it was. And he's coming out of the Mr. Walker gear. In the I, car oh, as well. In the car. That was yeah. brilliant. And so, yeah, I always like it when he's doing this. Well, it's hard to imagine a, a more fast-paced change than what he's done here where he's <laughs> in the back of a taxi cab somehow following a, an airship through the streets of Paris um, and <laughs> somehow gets the taxi to exactly the point where he can race up a roof getting changed as he goes to grab a rope and <laughs> a trailing yep. rope and get himself up to the airship. It's a spectacular, a spectacular sequence. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. What are your thoughts, uh, Dan, on, on more than just that little sequence? Anything else you like to Oh, look, I, I'd echo what Jermaine said before about the, the pacing of it and the, the ease of reading it. I found this a really fun and enjoyable story. Um, and I know we, we might overuse that, that term fun sometimes. 
on the podcast, but it just, I really had a lot of fun with this one. The idea of there's this um, Bengalan chimp who's, uh, you know, loose in the streets of London. He gets himself into an airship that's going, oh, sorry, Paris, yes. Uh, gets himself, well, that massive scene with the Arc de Triomphe. Um, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> um, for the last three episodes, they've been in Paris. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, just the, the idea that, that, that the chimp somehow gets himself on that airship that's going to the moon, of course, and they've got no idea what they're in for, even though, um, you know, World War II is only two years away and uh, they're, they're getting biplanes and stuff. Um, anyway, point being, it was just a, a lot of fun. And then it did come full circle um, when they, and I won't give away the ending, but uh, the, the clandestine meetings that uh, Stephen was referring to at the start um, do come back into it, even though it seems to be shifted completely uh, 180 degrees away from that uh, storyline. <laughs> I, I did like that. I like how they, yeah. they got brought it back. And you almost feel like they've been dropped in again. So I want, I feel like they're going to be more than just a, you know, kind of like a space filler, which is they almost were in this story. So I reckon we're going to see maybe that will be, whether it's the end of this initial six-parters or whether Peter's going to explore it again. But I reckon we're going to, they're going to. Well, have, isn't this the same crew that we're already seeing as a recurring? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's already doing it. Mm. Yeah, but we like, we haven't, we, you know, like they weren't in, they weren't in one nine one seven. They were, I think it was the first one when they were trying to assassinate. No, oh, so, guy, oh, so these guys aren't the same as the animal heads. No, no, no. So, um, so these are the guys. So it was in the first one, which was the Phantom Goes to Hell, where the actor overheard the assassination. Ah, plot. that's right. Yeah. So you know we've we've had that, and then we've had another little drop mm. of a mention here. So. Yep. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how um, uh, Peter explores that again. I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. Um, can you go down a bit more there, Jeremy? You had it up there before. I think it's probably on one of the last pages. Um, when, yeah, a bit more. When you were talking um, before about the the dialogue and how sometimes you know, there might be a bit too much dialogue. No, keep going. Um, and allowing the pictures to tell the story. No, I keep going. I think it's definitely on the last page. Um, yeah, so when he's talking to the sailor and the sailor goes, oh, how do you know I'm not going to throw the chimp over? And he threatens the sailor and, you know, it makes a big deal of it. I would have thought that just putting a skull ring or skull, skull mark just on the side of the boat there and play on the, on the sailor's yeah. um, uh, superstition, yeah, would, uh, would have worked well there. That would be my only critique. Of, mm. of that part of it, we'll even just yeah. show the ring. Yeah, oh, so, yes, something yes. to do with the, yeah, something to do with that ring. I will, you know, dumping it there or just you know, flashing the, flashing the ring just because he's a sailor. He would know the the phantom um, and with the superstition. Yeah. That'd be my my only critique in that. If that's um, the worst critique, I think we're doing okay though. I think that's doing all right. <laughs> um, and I agree with with uh, both of you. I really this has been my favourite of the um of these mm. Paris stories. I really enjoyed it. However, but I also think that um he's drawn some inspiration from another great author, Peter. Here, as soon as I was reading about the the chimpanzee and he's loose on the streets of Paris, I thought of a um a story that was written uh, quite a while ago, and then when it um got to the airship that's going to go to the the moon, that really thought right. He's been reading a bit of a uh, the old Edgar Allan Poe. 
So I don't know if you've got that up on the screen. There's okay, a, I'll stop sharing it so you can come up. All right, Go again. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. So I haven't read this for about 20 years, but two stories in it. One's got a, um, it's not a chimpanzee, it's a orangutan that gets loose on the streets of Paris. And there's another story where they take an airship up to, uh, up to the moon as well. So I uh, thought, oh, has he been reading a bit of Edgar Allan Poe or Pitt A? And isn't that a bit of inspiration for his story? And I thought, You've got skulls on the cover of your book. And there's got skulls, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't see any ravens flying about in the um, thing. But, and also I like the, um, the last bit where the, when they crash land the, um, the, the, the balloon, it just seemed like something out of goodies or, or Monty Python. I just <laughs> thought that was funny as. Okay. Any other comments about that story before we no. move to the issue with Heloise? Let's move to the issue of Heloise. Okay, so the issue with Heloise is a three-part story. We've got two parts of it so far, written um, or curated by the Australian team, Matt Kime and Shane Foley, excuse me, and is basically the, the fandom and Heloise uh, heading off to Baron Khan to, to see Rex. That's really what, what the um, premier premise of the story is at the start anyway and of course a few other things are about to happen um we get a bit of this you know sibling teasing having a bit of a fight there maybe it was a little i, I don't know that was okay so I sold on that to tell you the truth so interestingly matt Kahn talks about this first panel uh in his podcast so the copy on this, uh, the script on this first uh, page here was actually edited, requested editing by uh, King Features. So Matt kind of talks about it on the podcast and um, you can see the, what would you call it, the originals, the original wording and then this wording. So On the I, podcast? Yeah, on the podcast. Oh, I'm going to look forward to it. I'm, I'm going to go check that out then. What episode number is it? Uh, Matt Kimes, that'll be 218, I believe it is. Um, so look, I will admit that I think I prefer the wording here than the original wording. I just think the original okay. wording could have been misinterpreted the wrong way. Um, where this one I think is a little bit more safer. So it's not often I would agree with King Features, but I think, I think King Features made the right call on that page. And I, I love the dancer. Now, I've got two daughters, and you've all got more than one kid as well. You know what kids are like. You know what brothers and sisters are like and, and stuff like that. They're always at each other's throats. It's, it's, it's like we should change our name from being a parent to just being a referee. Um, <laughs> they're always well, at I each wouldn't other. say always. <laughs> I like to think that my kids have some good days where they're not at each other's throats. Um, but I understand what you're, you're getting only at. You're fooling yourself, Dan. <laughs> um, I know what you're getting at. I, I'm a bit with Steve, though. I, I just the banter didn't feel quite right to me. Um, yeah, I, I, and I can't really put my finger on it because I understand that you know you're going for sibling rivalry there. But uh, I, I don't know. Just it just didn't work quite for me. Yeah, I, I just felt out a place that um, uh, that kit would be saying boring old Baron Khan and putting down Rex and like, yeah. this, that just seemed a little bit off to me like zings yeah. at each other but not necessarily at um yeah at someone who's not there. And yeah it's always you know jealousy or you know saying oh going to bore, boring old um baron cameron when he really wants to go as well that just seemed out of character for him if, mm. if, anyway I moving on. <laughs> by and large though the characterization 
um, else across the rest of the story. In fact, the two arcs that we've seen so far, I'm actually really enjoying. Um, mm. once, once we didn't have that sort of forced, um, and it felt a bit forced to me, right, uh, rivalry between the, the two siblings, the, the way that uh, Matt has set this story inside, um, I, I guess, really the Tony DePaul universe, because while uh, Lee Forks uh, sent... Um, uh, Rex to Baron Khan as the leader, but um, pretty much all other elements that uh, that come through here are, are, are from the KFS stories, but uh, largely ones Tony DePaul wrote. Is it even in the um, in the Duncan universe? Because he's written a few Baron Khan. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, but they've, the problem with uh, and we talked again about this on the podcast with Matt um, about this part here is you have. For those listening, we're talking about which part? Um, so in what, what Matt wrote, mm-hmm. you're having Rex having a relationship with Lara, but with what Duncan has wrote, you've got uh, Rex having a relationship with the princess. Ah. So there's, um, there's a little bit of contra- uh, contradictory there. And uh, we talked about this with, with Matt on the podcast, and, and he, he, he said like he was reading Duncan's stories and he's like, no, no, no. He was like saying about how it's like, no, you know, and then he didn't know whether it was swap it or. Um, so it, it's worth it's worth going back and listening to that podcast with uh, Matt Kime, especially if you've read these parts here, because we talk a lot, especially part one, because that was out by the time we talked with him. Um, so I'm just. Uh, where are we? We're on page 30 here. So there's the seahorse there, a uh, little panel from the seahorse. We've got the traditional uh, Wilson McCoy, including the ring on the wrong finger, uh, the, what do you call it, the um, the fight for the which of if Redbeard, which was the founding of the Jungle Patrol. And then you've got uh, a couple of... Um, uh, you've got Julie Walker, which was the 17th Phantom's sister who became... Uh, what do you call it? Became a phantom for a period of time, and then you also have um, Juliet Jones, which was the wife of the fifth phantom, who was actually a pirate as well. So, um, and she's also featured in a Tony DePaul story as well as a Lee Fork story. So, there's a real, um, yeah. So, there's like you said, and then probably the biggest one, apparently. Um, Shane Foley was quite amused that he got to draw Steggy. He said he'd never <laughs> believed that he would be able to get to draw Steggy in a Phantom story, but you've also got Steggy in there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's... I've forgotten about that. that I, I, do, I do love the way that, yeah, and, and I said uh, features and I, I probably overplayed how strong the influence of Tony DePaul was other than the characters that he's invented for Rex, I suppose, but... Um, yeah, I do love the way that Matt is acutely aware of fandom history and bringing in yeah. um, past stories and, and hitting on tropes. And I'm sure, well, you can tell, Shane Foley just loves drawing all of them too. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, a, perfect, they're a perfect match. Um, so for those who also want to know, there was another podcast, about episode 170-odd, where Matt and Shane met and talked for the first time on our podcast. <laughs> and because of that podcast, this story came about. I'm not sure if you remember, but they talked about, oh, you know, we should get together and do this again. Well, this, the issue with Heloise, is what happened when they said we should get together and do this again. So, um, yeah, again, you'll learn about that on the podcast. 
Um, and then you've got issue two, uh, issue two, I'll just kind of flick through. Yep. So part two, um, where the first one, you know, we're, we're talking about a bit of happiness and light and enjoyment in, you know, getting steggy and all these old characters. Part two takes a dark turn towards the end, it, mm. I've, I've thought. And um, we, we didn't talk about the, um, the two young people who are, I don't know, part of a cult, part of a, some sort of, maybe they've been brainwashed. They, they feel like their country has been um, put down and, and Rex is to blame. So they're going to try and assassinate him. It was basically the, the plot here. And part two is where the attempts are being made. Um, and kind of interesting that, oh, not interesting. It was really good. You know, they don't have too many pages to, to tell a story. So, and um, I'm stealing this from Jeremy. He mentioned this um, before we started. Um, they're in a, a situation in the dining room, whatever, and the bad guys just happen to be there. We don't see how the bad guys get there. We just assume they've found a way to get in. We don't worry about all the backstory there. I think later on we see someone that they've tied up. So, you know, something, uh, some sort of confrontation's happened. Yeah, just but the bad guys have been able to sneak in and they've been able to get into Rex's inner circle. And, um, and then bad things happen. Dan, what, uh, what have you got to... We'll start off with you. I think Jim started first with the part one. Uh, yeah, so just, just quickly, ep, uh, podcast 189 it was, Jim, the last oh. one... Matt and Shane were on together. So anyone who enjoys certainly this story, uh, yeah, well worth going back and listening to that podcast because that was fantastic to hear those two minds meet. Um, and for everything we've just said about um, the the two guys uh, drawing in Lee Fork and, and Tony DePaul and, and, and established tropes to to place their story, um, it then does yeah become a, a genuine real story uh, that holds up all by itself. It's not like it just leans on um, or, or um, depends on um, characters or, or events that have happened in the past. Um, it's a really compelling story, and I can't wait to. Um, yeah, you, you say a dark turn at the end there, Steve. I can't wait to see um, episode three, the um, the third part, um, to see where that goes because it doesn't look like it's going anywhere great at the moment. But I'm sure that the Phantom can save the day. <laughs> Is it going to be the Phantom or will it be Heloise that talks her off? Isn't Heloise the Phantom as well, mate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she is on, where was it? Uh, where was it? So what she's not mean? having a wine because she's on duty. Yeah. But I wonder so, if she's legally allowed to have a wine. How old would she be in this story? She'd be about, what, 16? Yeah, which is the legal drinking age in Baron Khan, as it would happen. So, uh, uh, fourteen, I believe, is uh, <laughs> Baron Khan's a very, um, very liberal <laughs> in that regard. And actually, talking about this page, I think it's uh, World Milk Day coming up, isn't it, uh, Jermaine? Yeah, in a couple of days, uh, around the time this will probably come out is uh, World Milk Day, and then the Phantom um, is, and then ironically. In the Sunday story that came out today of recording, which we'll discuss soon as well, you see the Phantom uh, drinking milk at dinner as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's so, kind of yeah, ironic yeah. how all those things kind of come together. Yeah, we're just having to be doing a bit of a bit of a chat now on our messenger about milk and um, read this and all of a sudden, yeah, there we have. We've got milk in this episode. We've got milk in the, um, in the Sunday as well. Um, I always like it when he's drinking milk. I don't. I don't like him drinking a, a wine. I think that's unphantom-like behaviour. Mm. 
Yeah. And I can't wait to see what the issue with Heloise actually is because, you know, the story's got the issue with Heloise. Heloise seems to be going along quite nicely. What's her issue? I think the issue is, if I had to guess, I think the issue is that she's doubting herself. We, you right. know, when, um, so like we're talking, you know, which we kind of see an intro here. Um, oh, yeah. I you know, so like, that. for instance, she's, she's doubting herself here. And then I think she will prove herself. Um, so in part three, yeah, in part three, and by talking that girl down from the from the ledge, and then being, I guess, um, being able to solve the problem and 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 stuff like that, and and to be honest, it's like it says here. Uh, where is it? Um, uh, okay, so what bothers me is that a feeling that creeps in from time to time, a feeling of unworth unworth worthingness. It's always like a little bug that gnaws away at me, slowly, slowly, but it's there. Our family legacy is heavy, you know. It's a big responsibility, and sometimes I don't feel worthy of it. How can I live up to it? Sometimes when I read the Chronicles, I just feel numb, self-courage and self-sacrifice. Sometimes I forget they are real people. So I reckon we'll see that come to the fore in issue three. Mm. Yeah, I think you're on the money there. uh, To be honest, I like it. I like... I like how you've got, you know, Heloise doubting herself, um, you know, whether she can do it or whether she can be worthy. And I think, you know, she'll be able to prove herself, you know, mentally and be able to exercise some of, or, you know, exercise some of the demons out of her and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward, looking forward to how that uh, raised, how that gets raised. Mm. Very good. Any further comments? Just one thing. Um, so the next issue is not going to be a um, the Paris story, and I probably won't get the issue with Heloise Part Three, but it's going to be a bit of a breakup, which will be looks like it's going to be the Flame special. So the Flame was, I think she married the ninth Phantom, or was it the tenth Phantom? One of those ones from the top of my. Uh, it was a great story. Uh, it's a real Egmont. Uh, classic, and that's I, I believe that's being that's being printed in color, and then there's a new ten page sequel story featuring um, Flame dressed up as the Phantom, as well as uh, the Phantom as well. So I'm looking and, forward to uh, that one. That's illustrated by Wendell Cavalcanti. Wendell Cavalcanti, and uh, really no, it is written by Andrew Constant. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, and it's going to be in colour, which is going to be exciting because using the new paper that we've got here, I'm very excited to see what colour is going to be like on this new paper. See how mm. well it pops. It, yeah. it will be interesting. And just as a really brief aside with the paper, and um, last time we talked about it, you know, we don't, I think we'd seen one issue with the new paper and I was still on the fence or not convinced that it was necessarily that much better. I'm probably still there, but it'll be really interesting to see if and when we do go back to the older paper, if then you pick up a comic and go, oh, you know. I th- I, I, I th- <laughs> back to the butcher's paper. Is this butcher's yeah. paper? Yeah, so, yeah. I think, yeah, maybe you should do that next time you pick up, you know, next time you go to toilet or you want a half hour to yourself or something, go pick up an old issue of The Phantom without the new paper and um, have, a, have a read of it, and I reckon... Mm. I reckon like the difference. Yeah, 
Well, I was talking to a, a fellow just uh, yesterday. Um, he's in the comics and whatever, and he's really liking the stuff that Fru is doing, like all the Australian uh, content, the the authors, the the the, um, the artists, and and the way that the the comics going at the moment. Um, he thought it was excellent. So keep up the good oh, work, Fru. There. Um, in between seventeen and eighteen, we've got nineteen. Oh, sorry, seventeen and nineteen, we've got uh, nineteen eighteen. There's too many numbers all around the same area, um, which is a collector's replica. Um, I really like the fact that they're uh, giving different covers, up the, like you know, an old Pulp Fiction type novel. Um, the art, the art style is phenomenal. I really like that. Now, this this lady here has got it looks to be a golden circle brooch. Would that mean that there's something to do with the golden circle inside these pages? I think you're right. Yeah, I think I'm right. Um, I didn't actually, as per usual, I didn't read. The <laughs> yeah, look, the cover is phenomenal. I really yeah. like the cover. It's good. Like we've talked about how Fru need to release a new cover for each replica, and they've listened. It's proof that Fru do listen to us. And do listen to the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, so no, Dan. It's all it's all thanks to us. We're going to claim this one. Um, so or, Fru, thank or you thanks, for Glenn, who's actually done the artwork. I think that's yeah. <laughs> great work there, Glenn Ford. Look, in talking to a lot of fan fans, they might still not like the uh, the replica idea, but they do appreciate they actually get different covers now. So yes. um, yeah. And I, and like you said, Steve, I like the pulpy feel about them. Yeah, I reckon I like it. Mm. It just dates a bit in a good way. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Dan? Yeah, no, I completely agree with what you've said as well. And um, it would appear now that the trend of um, ten issues in a row with the same cover has been broken. Um, and look. Both of them are, were Glenn Fords, and if this is how Glenn is going to get back into the cover um, rotation, because he really had taken himself out. Mm. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Glenn Fords recently, and if he wants to get in and go, you know what, I'm going to do the – in the same way that Glenn Lumsden does the um, the giant size, Glenn yeah. Ford is going to do the replicas, and he's going to go, you know what, I've, I've always had an idea for a golden circle or for a uh, masked marble-type cover, and, and here's my chance to do it. Um, then I'm I'm all for it. I, and this one in particular is just just fantastic. Very recognisable as a phantom to us, but I think anyone could look at that um, and, and wouldn't necessarily recognise it as a phantom image, but still be compelled by the the story it hints at. So, yeah, I really like it. Excellent. Okay, so now we're crossing over to Macau for the review of Phantom. Oh yeah, take it away, Macau. Could it really be time for the Phantomen review again with me, Mikael? This time it is. Yes, it is issue 10 11 of 2022. It contains three Phantomen stories and a Carl Schempe story. And we will find out the winner of the best Phantomen story of 2021. This is a very nice cover again by Luke Arbata. It's a bit uh, dark, but. I think you can see it if you're watching on YouTube. So, first off, on the editorial page, there's some text about uh, Carl Schempe, and then uh, there is a bit that we're jumping a bit uh, in time in this issue. And the first story is Vigil at Phantom Head, 
a phantom uh, story with uh, it's a lot about this police officer here that is uh, caught by some crooks and he's a descendant of the emperor Junkar he gets freed by the phantom and together they take down quite a lot of thugs while also fixing some contradictions from old Lee Falk stories in a really nice way I, I really like this and uh, I hope that trend might continue with this it's tiger or yeah the, all the old recaps from Lee Falk has been different so that's great after that one we have Carl Schempe I won't go over this too much because I talked about it so much in the last review but really really good read it if you can then we have the next Phantom story the reunion there's not much action here but loads of drama it almost feels like you're in a totally different universe than most other Phantom stories but I like it, it fleshes out the characters and sets up feelings for the future, what's gonna happen. The last Fantoma story is this one, the twins' eighth birthday. A bit older than the other stories, uh, the twins turns eight years old in this story and get their first tight suits. This one is quite cute, but I know when I read it the first time, I felt that I did not want to foc the focus to be on the kids, but uh, my, maybe my taste had changed, or that there was a bit too much of these kinds of stories back in the day. We also got the result of the best Phantomen story. What, what was it? thought I had it. Yeah, here. So, the winner for the fifth time, the story of Devil. I've written an article on Chronicle Chamber. I hope the description has the link, so you can click it and read it. But yeah, I mean, it's a great story. Not much more to say. And to me, it has a personal meaning because it's a big part of the card game. Even uh, Diane in the Jungle Patrol, that was on the sixth place. It's also in that card game, so yeah. Yep, please read my article about that. And then we will have a preview of the next issue. The Shore of Chains, maybe it's called in English. A new story by Daniel Carlson and Anthony Spey. And an older newspaper story, The Connoisseurs, so two phantom stories in the uh, beginning of June. That's all from me. Happy phantoming. Thanks for that, Mikhail. Uh, looking forward to listening to, to your reviews next podcast or next uh, Comics and News podcast. Radio, um, we mentioned this up the top of the, the program today. We had the daily and Sunday uh, stories. So the, the Ingenue's story uh, has finished, has wrapped up. The Mori girls have made it back to Mori. And um, we're going to, well, looks like we're going to see some changes there in Mori. And the, um, the girls have been able to have their trip to Mauritan and survive the big city and, and have been able to return. Here we come. This is, it's up now. So get the Mori girls trek for home. They always had their guardian angel looking over their shoulder, but 
they made it made it home safely. What have we got there? Oh, well, yes. Did you guys enjoy this story? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, it's, you know, it's not going to be uh, in the top 10 phantom uh, daily stories, of uh, Sunday stories of all time. It's, um, it's not the action that I think a lot of people would have, um, you know, liked maybe in a phantom story. And, and I think there's certainly room to uh, find out what happened to the... Um, the, the bad guys in Mauitan because um, it feels a little bit like that. That feels a little bit unfinished to me. Um, and maybe maybe that's just because I read that that couple of panels a couple of months ago, I suppose. Maybe it was more wrapped up than I remember. But um, uh, no, I did. I think it's a really uh, a good story about a guardian, you know, a guardian of the Eastern Dark in this situation. And I liked the way that uh, the fandom was many men um, while he was doing it. And, uh, and the fact that these girls have um, had an adventure, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. It's a, it's a less stressful, more fun story. Yeah. It was more of a, um, yeah, like I said, not quite so action-packed, but it was developing the, 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 the culture or the characters of, of the Maori tribe. And, and mm. so can you just move on to the next one there, Jim? Yeah. So they're now on, you know, they, they felt like they weren't on equal footing with the men and now they're, they're, they're competing in, in the boats. As well, and like you said, we've got that little loose thread there with the bad guys. They weren't resolved. There was still that Mister Big fella. He was um, still on the loose, so someone to uh, to come back to. Uh, Jim, um, look, I'm on the fence probably with this story. Like, I guess you know, as the father of daughters, you know, it's it's important to be able to see. Um, you know, equal, equal rights with, you know, with girls being able to compete and become, you know, equals with, you know, men to be able to, on the canoe, on the rite of passage and stuff like that. But I just, I don't, I don't know. I, re I really, it was a bit, at, in places, it was a bit boring. It was a bit long-winded. Um, I just, I don't know. I'd, I enjoyed aspects of it. I enjoyed the meaning behind it. But, Look, it's not my favourite story that um, Jeff and Tony have done. Fair enough. All right, that story is wrapped up and Return of the Temple of the Gods has uh, started. And, of course, we get a new title panel there by Jeff. Thank you for that. We do enjoy getting those for every new Sunday mm. story. Um, like, just as a brief aside, Comics Kingdom, what are you doing? Oh. Like cutting off that title panel every week. Why not produce... I get that they're maybe trying to go for a mobile platform and, and people want to read it in a vertical, um, you know, portrait shape rather than landscape. I get that. But you still could have that title panel at the top instead of that generic thing that you've, you're putting on there at the moment. Come on, Comics Kingdom. You're wrecking the fandom. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said wrecking the fandom, but, yes, I do agree <laughs> that they need to put that title <laughs> that title. Um, Square up there. The tirade may have got away from me at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, um, interesting points on these ones. These stories started in the newspapers, then they've gone over to Team Phantom, and now again, newspaper stories. Jim. Yeah. So when Paul Ryan took over the, uh, the dailies from George Olson and Keith Williams, it was the underwater scene. They were exploring the shipwreck of the submarine from World War II, which was when, uh, to do with the origin story of Eden, uh, which was called, yeah, Eden, um, which was when we saw Archie who presented them. So 
the so basically Paul Ryan brought that into the into the into the newspaper world and he in, introduced these temple of the gods which there was two parts in the daily stories which is when the phantom explored it he came face to face with these type of people here which you'll see if you're on YouTube these half apes half animals half human type of uh, experiments um, and then he put it to the side and then he actually penned a couple of different parts which then became team phantom and egmont created stories i believe there was four different parts um do you ever remember of, who wrote those uh hans lindell did some of them uh david bishop did some others he talked about uh some of the ones that he did on the podcast and then i think tony paul wrote another one as well so basically phantom and explored it in more detail with tony paul's um uh, blessing as well um and then yeah and then now we're seeing it again on on here so it's look that might not make i might we might do an article on it just exploring the different avenues how it all went and how it's all tied up that might be a good idea for those who are a little bit confused and those stories all appeared in fruit yes so all the stories have uh appeared in fruit um so yeah so we, we might do that we might even do a i don't know we might even do a quick video on on the stories or we'll, we'll, we'll think of something so then that way those who are just reading the newspaper stories will, for those um, who come in late yeah so get a catch up yeah so, so we've seen three three panels of it so far so yep. oops gone back too far so, so yep, there's this one three weeks yep so there's this one this one where diana loses her appetite and then this one where, where the fam chugs a glass of milk chugs a glass of milk yes so I think it's um, I think it's really interesting what um, Jeff Weigel's done there, and and obviously Tony's written it in. But um, as as luck would have it, Jim, when you was you were zooming in on that um, that beast in the middle panel from the twenty second of May, um, a week before we actually have the revelation, you can see a human figure in the background there. And I wonder those on the YouTube channel, how many of you saw that? Even knowing like that little shadowy figure over the the, the unfortunate soul's shoulder which the Phantom actually highlights in the uh, the panels on the 29th when he says, this is what I saw. So, um, But it's yes. not on there. It's not on the week before. you got little two little eyes, yeah, no, it but is. that's it. Yeah. But no, then the week, so the, the next 22nd one. of May. There. Yep. Right oh, there. there. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, yes, and then yes, it's on the yeah. 29th of May that the Phantom set, it highlights yeah. it, zooms in on it, so... Yeah, so that, just a, a nice little way that Jeff is uh, teasing it. Um, and I and I didn't realise that until uh, I was looking at this page while you had it up just now. So um, it's, it's just really clever of Jeff. And, and, and Tony, it goes to show, you know, how, how much thought and how much preparation goes into putting these together for us. So yeah. one thing I do like is they've got power to be able to, um, uh, to, be able to do, you know, what have we got? We've got a big... Big, a big computer screen TV. Looks like there's you know, computer, a tape deck, and all that, but they are still lighting the the cave by fire. It's just some traditions <laughs> you need to keep. 
It just, just adds to the ambience. <laughs> yeah, well, you can run you can run the extension cords for your computers, but uh, you know, there's putting wall plugs in a cave is bloody hard. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, look, I'm interested to see where this series goes. I wasn't a huge fan of it, uh, in the daily in stories the or even in the uh, Team Phantom Men stories. So, no, I'm, I must agree. But, the Temple of the Gods is not a story arc that I've been chomping at the bit to try and revisit. Yeah, so I'm in. Well, I'm going to, to now that we've been the Sundays, I'm going to revisit. Yeah, well, yeah, um, so yeah, so I'm I'm a wait and see. I like. Now, this is why we need a Phantom Bible, guys, because in the Sundays, the Phantom is drinking milk while Diana has her red wine. But in the daily stories, the Phantom also has a glass of red wine. So, uh, you know, this is why we need a Phantom Bible. So <laughs> That's okay, mate. I had water for dinner tonight and I had a beer at dinner last night. Like, people drink different <laughs> things for different meals. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, but you're not the Phantom. Yeah, you're not the Phantom, <laughs> and you're not always on duty. You know, on duty, yeah. <laughs> milk all the way. It's milk for life for me. No, yep. no wine for the Phantom. Yeah, no wine. He's a teetotaler. That's it. All right. Should we move on to the dailies? Moving on to the dailies. So the Phantom's end is still going. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. Now, should the I just, that was yeah. Should the Phantom be keeping this from Diana? Well, not really been keeping it from her now. She, oh no, hang on, it's still in what if land, isn't it? It's still story time. Is it? Um, yeah, it's in story time. <laughs> I, I'm finding it. I, I probably have dipped in and out of it a little bit lately, and uh, it's to the point now. Where I'm not sure anymore what's real and what's um, Moz's prediction. I thought we were into real stuff now. No, no, uh, but we, we're the, not. So at the no. start, we've got this bit here where it's like, you know, um, I put my mission and grave lines on hold so Moz wouldn't tell this dark tale to Diana or Guran. Um, so we've got that. And then all Moz is still writing the Chronicles, um, you know, and then they're trying to trick each other. I like that one. Um, okay. So I'm going to hold it here. Now... We know what's going on because we've been given the chronicle. We've been given the chronicle, as you can see here. The chronicle of Moz resides now and for all time with the chronicle chamber. So we know where we know we know what's going on. Well, no, sorry, we have the chronicle, but we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so I, I had a good chuckle. It's not exactly what it says, but chronicle chamber is mentioned. <laughs> We're claiming it. We're having a little bit of artistic license to be able to uh, play with that. But, yeah, I'm the same. Oh, look, that's probably the next T-shirt right there, that panel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got here, so he's sitting down, and then this is the final chapter again. Now this is where so it's Now we get back to the dream, but, yeah. Now, okay, yeah, so that's from the time. 2nd of May. So what everything through May has been yes. Moz's yeah. story. Okay. Yeah. So, again, this is, and we've talked about this before, I would like, if it's part of Moz's story, and I know they've done it at the start with the little wavy little lines, you know, I would like to think that you guys, well, especially, you know, you guys have been reading this fairly regularly and sometimes we get confused. It would be nice if it, just for a simple signpost that if it's a, in the future or in the past, it has the wavy lines. 
I, I think that once it's in a comic book, then it'll be really good. But it's the, it's in, the interesting thing is that Tony DePaul doesn't write for this for a comic book either. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. Like in my situation, it's been a busy month. I'm probably reading the daily oh, three, day, three days a week maybe. And um, it's, it's very easy to miss a day in the busyness of time. Yeah. If you miss that one where it shifts to um Moz's story or reality whatever then you can you can lose it so i agree but a, a daily design post um would help <laughs> in my circumstance anyway but seeing as the the stories we're continuing on from you know the the Moz's story you know he's got things like the bullet wound he's got all that sort of stuff that doesn't happen in real life so it's just oh, it's, i honestly had thought we had swept over to, to real life so yeah. <laughs> So I, I'm thinking this is going to be his kicker now to um, to do what Mozart said and um, not go after it because he's seeing the devastation that's going to happen to Kit now. Is that yeah. going to be enough to to persuade him not to um, not to go to Grave Lions rather than worry about his own safety? Now he's got his boy's safety. Mm. Is that going to be an anticlimax though? If at the end of all of this, Phantom goes, oh, "You're right, Moz, I won't go." That 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 would feel like a bit of a hollow end to the story. <laughs> well, we asked the question last podcast. So, would you go or would you not go? And I think from memory, we all said we would go. I would go if I'm if I'm the fans. If I've been trained, if I've been basically raised and for you know 15, 20 years of my life before I take on the mantle that you know you must sacrifice your life for the good of you know of the world and, and, and stuff like that, you know, you, you have to go. Yeah, but you've still got to protect your legacy and that's the issue with potentially Kit deciding to, um, and, and we're seeing it just in the last uh, last couple of days, certainly, mm. um, Kit st- stating, oh, I'm not coming back, I've got a job to do here and you stay there and, uh, and all the rest of it. So you've got a duty to fulfil your, your legacy. I think as Phantom... Um, you're probably, and I say this in, in the nicest possible way, you're probably arrogant enough to go, I can still go and save Savannah, and now I know what Moz is telling me, I can change the future. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see where this goes, how it goes. I hope, I hope this part of the, you know, is not too long because I would like to see with, you know, I'd like to see the actual phantom making a decision and then it happening. And then it will be nice to be able to, if the phantom does try and rescue Savannah, which I think he will. And I think he must. Mm. Mm. What different actions does he take compared to what we've seen in the future Chronicle from Moz? Yeah. It's got the potential, like, this story's been going on for a long time. It's been a long time since we saw Kit get shot um, as he was rescuing Savannah from grave lines and have to go to the vet. You know, this story's been going on for a while. If we're going back to the start and playing it all again, but with the little differences, it will be interesting to see how it goes. But uh, that's also got the potential to, to drag. So I'm fascinated with how Tony's going to wrap this up. Yeah. If, it's one, if it's one thing we've learned, that um, Tony is always two or three steps ahead of whatever we think. Oh, he's, at least he's, two or three. <laughs> yeah. I've just noticed something as you've been flicking through. 
wonder whose phone number that actually is because you see it's on where is it? A, ma- no. make, a, make a point of putting the phantom's head in the way there but then there's, a, <laughs> there's another vi- uh, another scene or another angle where you can see the numbers that he's missing with and then the other ones are coming out. yeah I wonder if <laughs> that's actually somebody's well number. I'm just doing a quick I'm just doing a quick uh, Google search. Find that just, number. Just ring it. Don't Google it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just finding. So, so 011 is American Samoa. Okay. Dialing code. 881 is the next three digits. <laughs> I'm not going to call it, but, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's 011 is actually not Africa. So what's Africa's country code? Can you go back? Are you going to call it? Might as well. Seven seven zero nine one. This could cost me a lot of money. Are you going to put it on speaker? It's just going to Google the number. Disconnected. Optus advises that the number you have dialed has been disconnected. Uh, <laughs> uh. I don't know if that came through the microphone, but Optus tells me <laughs> that that number's been disconnected. Oh well. That- <laughs> Yeah, so, we know it's been disconnected. They've just been bombed. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's been disconnected. So Africa, now obviously there's lots of countries in Africa, so there's different ones, but it's always two something. So South Africa is two seven. Um, I want to see if I can find Kenya, which is on the east coast where most fans think it, it is likely. Look at the uh, rabbit hole you've dug here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. We could do a whole other podcast just on this. <laughs> uh, you uh, we better wrap it up and keep going. <laughs> there you go. Work tomorrow. Okay, so, yeah, we don't have a clue where this is going. It's, even um, though the Chronicle, oh, even though Old Man Moz has given us the Chronicle, we still have no <laughs> idea. We have got nothing. <laughs> okay, we look forward to what, what Tony's got up his sleeve. Rightio. Um, that's the end of the stories. We're up to uh, up to news now. Yes. All right. Bit of news, bit of news from us here at Chronicle Chamber. We've um, been in partnership with uh, well, we've we've been doing a number of fundraisers to help raise money for uh, UNICEF and, and Ukraine. We've almost done we're up to four thousand dollars raised so far. One more piece left. Let me go get it. Oh yep. And just while Jim's doing that, we've, we've got to say again, you know, what a wonderful job he's doing. It certainly is the, the driving force and then some, I think, behind all of this, to the point where I feel comfortable entering in Faffles knowing that I've had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, Jim, <laughs> a magnificent job you've done here using yeah. the platform Chronicle Chamber. But, you know, the amount of artists that have come on board and have contacted yourself and sent stuff through and then all the organising you've done to, to make that happen. Did you just say $4,000 to Close to four thousand dollars yeah. so far. Yeah. So this is the last piece we've got, which Ooh, is from nice. uh, Leonard Moberg. Uh, so this was actually designed from some postcards that he did with Phantom in Land back in 2000, 1999, 2000, 2001. He did uh, some prints and some posters and some postcards, and this was one of them. Mm. Um, so this is about A three in 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 size. Um, well, actually, so this, so at this stage, unless we get some more donations, this is going to be the last faffle, and then we've got one more giveaway, but we will discuss that at a later date. So, 
Um, around when this podcast goes live, this one will probably be about. So this will be ten dollars tickets as per normal. It's been fun because like we've had the um, what do you call it? Um, the sketch off studio sesh, uh, session. Yeah. The, the sketch off that was a lot of good fun. Um, we've had some faffles and 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 some art being purchased and and, and stuff mm. like that as well. So um, look, yeah, close to four thousand. I was kind of hoping that we'll get maybe two. So to get double of what, yeah, no, it was good. Yep. So thank you to everyone who's donated, and thank you um, absolutely to the artists and creators who have um, who have come on board with that. It mm. means a lot to us and to the people who the money is going to, even yeah. more so. Mm. Um, next point up, uh, it's getting towards Supernova Sydney time, and of course, it's the Lee Folk Memorial Bengal Explorers Club dinner as well. Now, so- I'm going to ask Dan something before we go any further. Now, Dan, rumour has it you copped a lot of flack for not coming to this dinner and then you and your, the reason was because your daughter had something special and stuff like that. Is it true that you rang up and got that all changed so you might be able to come to the dinner? No, I, no. I wish I, I wish I had the moxie to to try and pull that off. No, uh, you're right though about the amount of flack I cop for. Uh, I guess um, on the podcast, I maybe I was still hoping against hope that I might be able to figure out a way to get there, but knowing in my heart of hearts that I couldn't, and I probably fence that too much. And I did hear about that in the uh, in the social media chats. Um, I think I cop that too, Dan. You weren't alone. <laughs> But anyway, um, no, as luck would have it, um, the thing, that, the, the special thing I'm going to go for my daughter, she's um, graduating from a thing and, um, but then moving to Sydney and we need to help her move to Sydney as it just so happens she needs to move to Sydney that same weekend. So um, I'm not going to be able to get there in time for Supernova, but I'm certainly uh, locked and loaded for the Leaf Hawk Memorial Bangala Explorers Club dinner now, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so is it true that you've left your wife to do all the packing and the moving while you get to um, come and a, hang out no, with she, us? No, she'll be doing the unpacking. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balancing act. You've got, got to earn the brownie points before you spend us, the brownie points. I will get us to Sydney before 7 o'clock on Saturday night. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the promise. <laughs> uh, very good. Even you go, how fast do you got to drive to bed? Or what's the latest you have to leave? I'm not sure. I haven't done the maths on it yet, but uh, it'll it'll definitely happen. So I'm very excited to be to be locked into that. It's, it's a shame I won't be able to get there for Friday, and I don't know how much we're allowed to say about Friday on this platform. But uh, would have loved to catch up with everybody on the Friday, and certainly um, at Supernova as well. Knowing though that um, there's probably not going to be the amount of phantom stuff going on at Supernova tempers that a little bit for me. But I'm I'm really excited about the the dinner, and I probably. Uh, actually, if, the, if people want to get in touch on social media and talk about the dinner, probably, what do you suggest about me bringing my 12-year-old son along? I'm not sure that he wants the late night. He might be excited. Is it the sort of thing? I reckon you bring him because we've seen it with Alan when he brings uh, Maria, his daughter. Mara, yes. No, uh, no one bids against her. So <laughs> get your son to bid for you. And people won't bid against him because they'll be going, oh, I can't outbid against a 12-year-old. <laughs> and so we're not going to see Grant to... Fraser on it. We're going to see Angus Fraser. And in <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. You've you got, you got to hope that a, that a teacher doesn't bid it because the teacher sees a kid and will not care. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, they, they deal with them enough as it is. 
So, um, so, I, yes. so I, I can say that I won't be going to um, Supernova or the, or the dinner. I cannot make it. Um, my family thing's happening in, well, in September, but we're saving up for it. And so for me to go up to Sydney, as well as being my wife's birthday weekend, it's, oh. it's just not happening. <laughs> that's small matter. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you can't do what Dan can do, and that's change your, your wife's birthday to another weekend? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, so, so a couple of things about... Yeah, oh, so I was going to adopt yeah. one. What was going to do? Yeah, yep. so let's go. Over no, but I'm running this thing. Would you let me run this thing? Yeah, yeah. That's why I was still talking, so I could do it. Uh, so we got Friday nights. Friday nights usually a, a meet up, but um, Friday through open house. Is that correct, uh, Jim? Yes. Yeah, I was going to meet you. I was going to hand pass. Okay. You. So through uh, are doing an open house tour, so which is kind of exciting. A lot of fans haven't seen it before or haven't been there um so if you do want to book a tour it's by bookings only you need to communicate with renee white he's on social media you'll be able to find him via there um now so is that only during the day or just, that's friday during night? friday day all right so friday so, day is the free open house probably from about when they open the office so that's i don't know around 9 10 um now i expect some products to be made available we don't have a definite list of products um that will probably be announced in the next week or so um we will try and get one of renee or glenn on to talk about some of their products and the fruit open house and maybe try and do a video if we can swing it all but expect some products, some new products to be made available at the fruit open house. So if you are umming and ahhing about going and you are in town, it's probably worth going and organising an open tour, an open Absolutely. house tour. Then following that, be a, a catch-up Friday night at, at um, the I can't remember the name, at the McCure. That's it. Uh, that was always a fun night. Um, yeah, it is. To, to go to. Um, then Saturday lunch at, at the at Supervo, Supervova, Supernova, um, meet up at Matt Kimes' booth. So he'll have a, a booth where on Artist Alley or Creators. Yeah, or Art, yeah, Artist Alley. So meet there Artist at one Alley. o'clock. So yep. look, there's usually a restaurant we go to. You don't have to meet there. You can just meet us at the restaurant if you want. But if you don't know where the restaurant is and you want to kind of walk over with some fans, um, a few of us will meet at Matt Kimes' booth and then we'll walk over to the restaurant at 1 p.m. So... So be at Matt Kimes' booth 1pm. Get there a little bit earlier and get some prints and some signatures and tell them that, um, you know, that uh, the Phantom should just be drinking milk. Um, and then go to the restaurant or the cafe, whatever it is, yeah, and, and, and have, have a few glasses of milk. Beer. And, <laughs> and take a photo of Jim with food in his mouth because I think that's what he always does. Yeah, <laughs> Isn't that what's happening? About that one as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's Saturday lunch. It's always good fun. Yep. Saturday night, we've got the, well, of, of course, the Lee Falk of the LFM BEC dinner. Lee Falk, my little Bengalas and Explorers Club dinner. I was doing so well. <laughs> um, which is, gonna, it's not held at Telesaurs this year. It's held somewhere else this year, is uh, from yes, memory? Yes, it's held at, oh, I can't remember the, the name of it, but it was, it's owned or was created Cafe Duex or du, Duer or something like that. It was, it was owned or was started or the owners are involved with the guy who created Mambo and stuff like that. And obviously... Oh, yeah, Reg Mombasa. Yeah, so there's, so there's a, a connection. Huge, he's a huge fandom fan. Yeah, there's yeah. a connection somewhere. 
Um, yep. I can't remember the exact uh, connection. I believe there's been two dinners at that cafe before. There's been Dave uh, Gibbons, who's the Watchman art, artist, who was there, and Terry Terry Beatty was the other um, artist who's who's been held there as well. It's, it's a nice restaurant. Oh, Last cool. time they had some Harley Davidsons throughout it, and some and some paintings, including a couple uh, a couple of Phantom ones and stuff like that as well. So Very it should good. be good. And always a good night. Well, the one time I went, it was a really good night. And Jan's been to a few, and Dan's been to a couple now. And uh, he's been able, been able to move heaven and everything. And my daughter. And your daughter to, <laughs> in order to get there. Um, there is a website, www.lfmbec.org. Plenty of information on that one, fellas? Yep, plenty of information. Go there, uh, check it out, and... Uh, thanks to all the Patreons for uh, helping keeping resurrecting that one. Very mm. good. And always a good night to raise money for the uh, Westmead Children's Hospital. Um, plenty of things to, to bid on. Um, if you haven't, if you've got something to, to donate, please make sure you send it off to uh, Bradley, isn't it? Bradley, uh, Bradley and Richard, Bradley? yeah. So look, this is a bit of a challenge to all the people that listen to this and will be attending. Donate something. <laughs> um, if you've got to make a bit of a bet to see you can raise the most between your friends and all that, feel free to do that. But it's always good to donate something. Most of us have doubles and and stuff like that in our collection, so it's not like it's really going to, uh, you know, put a big, huge hole in your pocket. But even if it only raises 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, it all is for a good cause. Mm. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, Regal over in India have announced their first Phantom trade paperback collection. Um, from what I've read here by Ankit, we've got a, a it's on pre order and is full of. So it's available it's to buy. Dedicated, now. Oh, oh, yes, of course, now. I'm just looking at the date. But dedicated to Paul Ryan? Yes. Uh, look. Podcast 219 is when we talked with um, the publisher and also Anchor, and they basically gave us a bit of a history on Regal, but also gave us a good insight into the trade paperback, uh, the stories, um, the, the look and the feel of it and everything like that as well. well. We'll be having a review of the trade paperback on our website soon, but go check out um, episode 219 if you're having and airing it. Now, I can, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it, but I'll just say it. Through are getting some trade paperbacks in. They will be getting trade paperbacks signed by Ankit and also without signage as well. So they will probably be hitting the Fru website. Look, maybe they will be available at the Fru open house, um, but maybe around that time, maybe a little bit afterwards. Hmm. I'm pleased to hear that because Fru have got a number of the Regal comics in in the past. And um, uh, to be honest, I probably stopped buying those at about issue four or six, I think. Um, but uh, the trade paperback looks unreal. Um, everything. And I haven't had the opportunity yet to listen to 219. Um, it is it is out um, as we speak. And obviously, by the time people listen to this, this is going to be 220. So clearly 219 is out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I haven't I haven't heard the the podcast yet, but I have seen the photos of the of the book, and um, it looks fantastic. It really does. And if the the publishing quality um, or the print quality 
it stands up, I think it's going to be a really cool book. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. And, it's, and it does, it strikes me as the sort of idea that I'd like to see um, through do as well with trade paperbacks is, is gather series of stories from the newspapers and uh, put them together in a really thoughtful way, which is what's happened here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think through, look, through we're getting, we're getting questions and getting uh, suggestions from fans about, Hey, can we collect these stories? Can we collect these stories? So I reckon when through see this, they'll probably thought, Oh, maybe we should have done this. However, there's still plenty of other collections. There's the oh, yeah. gods. Uh, there's the nomad stories. Um, yep. That could be a nice one as well. Um, so, look, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. The Mexican uh, Phantom with the was it? What's the wrestling style? Lucha Libre. Lucha because there was that recent story as well. That was um, a follow one from the original three one as well. Mm-hmm. So, look, there's plenty of them out there. Mm. Um, that could be collected. Which is not to say that I don't love what Fru have been doing with their trade paperbacks um, in terms of uh, prequels and sequels. Um, you know, that's fantastic too. So um, it might be a cheaper way for them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on, the 2021 Phantom Men Best Story has been named and drum roll, they've gone against the tradition. No, they haven't. It's been voted for the... The best story five times now. It's Devil's Story. <laughs> is this is Devil's Story the best story ever written? Well, Antman readers seem to think so. I don't reckon. I don't reckon any other story has been voted more than three times as the best story published, and the Devil's Story has been voted five times. So like almost every time it gets published, it gets it gets mm-hmm. voted as the as the most. Um, you, there's a good argument that it has to that it is the best Phantom story ever. Wow. Why? Because the Swedes think it is. <laughs> well, there's not just... <laughs> there's a reason why McCarthy oh. made, made, the, um, made the story of Devil, the Devil's story, you know, the first adventure the that you game. play in, in the card game. There was a bit of a cheeky dig at the Swedes there. Um, <laughs> bit of rivalry going on there. Um, look, you know, look, I know Dan's going to disagree with it um, and we'll let him have a ride of passage soon, but if you're going purely by the numbers... Um, there's a good argument for it. Well, I think the, um, the story of Devil, as I know it, um, is a fantastic story and I really enjoy it. And um, it's, yeah, I, I really do like it. Uh, best story ever? I don't think so. Top 10 of all stories ever? It's in that conversation. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I struggle with the idea of it being named best story five times. I feel like if I was <laughs> voting in that um, I might go, you know what, I've read this one before. I'm going to vote for something else this year. So whether they need to change the, the um, category to best news story or, or something because it's just um, it's a bit boring, Sweden, to keep voting for the same thing time and time again. Just because they publish it doesn't mean it's the best story again. Gee, you, you've got to feel pretty bad if you're anyone else who got published that year. Well, that's, well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, It's not like the rest of the stories have been rubbish is it it, it by a 40 plus year old story that people have already read a dozen times <laughs> to be fair that happened in australia with the princess sin saga you know that got published that was 
what, 50 years old. It was published in the 70s. And but it was then, only published once then, before in Australia. Yeah, and this yeah but it's still a 50-year-old story. And what came out of Princess Sin, we got uh, two prequels, two sequels, and a board game out of it. So. And, that, and that's, I th- from memory, and I'd have to go back to the stats, but I think that that was how it was voted as best story. It was more best issue. I don't think Princess Sin Saga was the best story of that year. So the trade paperback obviously went really well because of the prequels, the sequels, the amazing cover, all of the colour. Um, but uh, I'd have to go back, but I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that Princess Sin itself was not the best story. And, and like it might be 50 years old, but it was the first time we'd read it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Lots of people. Um, moving on. Keep over with the Swedes. When the fandom became a Swede, it's a, it's a book. I by... love this. I love this title. It is so provocative. <laughs> this is a book by Robert Aman, um, and we have a podcast coming soon with Robert. We have a podcast coming soon with Robert and Mikkel. Now, this book, When the Phantom Became a Swede, has only been published in, uh, in, in the Swedish language. Now, I'm not sure about you two, but I have not learnt the language yet. Um, what, what you do is you just get Google Translate on your phone and you just run across <laughs> the No, well, let's, I think we'll just wait for Mikkel to do that. So, Mikkel, will, so what's going to happen is, yes, we're doing a podcast with Robert. I'm excited by this because um, Mikkel's been taking notes and he even started chatting with him about what he's going to discuss on the podcast in a le- at a recent comic convention when they actually had their tables next to each other. They were actually sitting next to the ta- uh, to each other at a, at a comic convention. Um, so then Robert's going to give us a list of stories that we must read as homework, which is going <laughs> to be all the stories that he talks about in his book. And then we're going to be prepared. Mikkel is going to be the one that's read the book. And he's going to have a go at seeing if he agrees or disagrees with what Robert says. And then we'll just be the peanut gallery um, chiming in. It'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, having having already spoken with Robert um, back, and and I'm going to guess... Episode 101. Well, there you go. I was going to say 103. So it it was a long time ago, and it was just after the... Um, he'd written a dissertation um, that we that we read, and um, the way that he talked about the Phantom then, and and in conversation with him, he makes a compelling story mm-hmm. that Sweden has had a huge influence on who the Phantom is um, and how the character has evolved. Um, and so, I I like the title of his um, of his book. How the what is it? How the Phantom became a Swede. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome uh, title. It, it really is. <laughs> and I, can, I have a feeling I know how he's going to argue it, and he might have a good point. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can't wait to bring this to some attention to some Aussies because knowing how patriotic the Aussie fans are about their, about their phantom hero, um, I reckon there could be a good reaction about that. Mm. <laughs> ah, very good. Oh, hello there. Who's this that's just popped into the into the podcast? Oh, it's the Boss Fight Studios Wave 1 Phantom figure that's now hitting the shelves here or it's been arriving on doorsteps for people who have ordered. Um, is anyone else? Uh, Dan, I know you've got uh, uh, Wave 1 and Wave 1.5. Have you found yes. the... Um, 
Oh, and, and actually, I've been, anyone on the YouTube will know, I've been staring at the bottom of the screen for a lot of the night because I'm just playing with my little toys. I love <laughs> having random toys to play with. I've, I've, I have brought along my Wavepoint 1.5. In the blue. Um, Good to see you sticking with your Phantom End tradition. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I went the purple. Anyone, <laughs> yeah, anyone who's listening, I've got Wave 1 and I've got, so the purple uh, fellow is just sitting up here having a bit of a dance. So I've, I've mostly got him as a point of difference and also because, and I'm struggling with it in the moment, but uh, he's just dropped his gun. No, I've dropped the bird. Mm. Oh, hang on. Oh, no, the bird. So, <laughs> so what do you guys think about it? Are you, are you happy with it? Love it. Absolutely love it. And, and I, I look back at, here he is. Um, I think that looks a bit preposterous, uh, Prince Blood, <laughs> uh, coming out from behind the Phantom, but uh, it's, it's a grown out of your head. Unique, I suppose. <laughs> Um, there he is. Turn it around so it looks like he's done a big fart or something. <laughs> it's a clever <laughs> way of having bad. the bird fly around the character, I suppose. Um, as I said in the YouTube review that I think it will be up by the time this is published, um, it, I'm still bemused by the, the inclusion of the little people as, as, a, as a side kick for the Phantom, but makes more sense than Zuffy, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I just, I love these characters. I love these figures. Hmm. Where, where would you find Zuffy? Where, where he's, in the, he's in the Necker. Yes, Zuffy's in the Necker. So yeah. I don't have the Necker one yet. Yep. Yep. No, Zuffy's probably there somewhere. But um, yeah. um, no, look, if I, if I think back to, and, and I, was think, I was mindful of this when I was doing the YouTube um, review, um, probably easy to be critical about various things, uh, you know, about this, that or the other. But at the end of the day, like if I'd had this guy when I was um, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, which is when I did have my um, uh, Galoob's character, the fan of the Earth, uh, Defenders of the Earth Galoob character, um, this is just such a better product, such a better toy um, than, than that one. And I loved it. Um, so this is, this is just so much fun. It's so posable. Um, you can do anything with them. The chain, the, the, the detail is amazing. Um, that's what I really love about them is the, you know, you can tell which ring is which by looking at it mm. on a, on a thing that's the size of a pinhead. Yeah. So you raised it and I raised it about the hole in the foot, not going on the little plate. No, so, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that, didn't, that struggled so with that. So one, one fan got in contact with us to let us know that if you get an air dryer and put it on for like five to ten seconds at the foot and then poke it on, it will go a lot quicker. It will be a lot quicker because so obviously heat makes it expand, et cetera, okay. and all that. Yeah. But, I would give that a try. Yeah, so that because that, that was something that we both raised and obviously, Stephen, you said that you had – Trouble yeah, with I them. Couldn't, well. couldn't get it on. Probably I just put that, a stand back in the pack. Yeah, that mm -hmm. and the, the that was probably the major design flaw in my in my opinion. The neck of the of Julie is a problem with the with when the when she's got the cowl on, but when she's got her hair down, it looks fine. Yeah. But apart from that, they're probably the only issues that I had from a design point of view. Obviously, there was issues with the shipping which uh, me and Steve talked about, which they rectified themselves, and then with the delays. But, you know, with COVID, you can't really help a global pandemic. But mm. apart from that, 
there's not really anything else to quibble about. You know, you could you could quibble about the colours, like you said, Dan. But, it's a great colour. What are you talking about? <laughs> but you got to remember that you know they're trying to they're trying to bring this across the whole world, and not everyone just has the Phantom. And you know, we had a bit of fun about you know about the readers readership numbers and all that. But uh, look, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, apart from that, I don't really think there's anything really to complain about. I think it's a great product. You just remind when you talk about colour. That's something I forgot to say about in Pitay's book, um, in the latest story where he talks about that purple phantom. If this gets published in Sweden, is it going to going to have to change it to blue? No, because, I'm sure they'll translate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what I probably would have preferred in terms of wave one point five because we got a purple um, phantom and a blue Julie in wave one. Um, if you're going to go the, you want to get the red in, what I would have preferred to see is the red phantom in wave 1.5, a red phantom and a purple Julie. And I think that would have had the balance because then you'd have the purple Julie, then the purple phantom. I can understand why um, you're not going to bring out another purple phantom because the only difference would be the bloody, the little people um, to come along with it. But that's that's how I would have done it differently. Look, maybe by the time wave but two. The phantom is Swedish, remember? We've just talked about that uh, in our previous point. We also mentioned how we're going to have a strong <laughs> argument about it. So. <laughs> you know, there's now two blue phantoms, so maybe the phantom is Swedish. Yeah. That just makes him more Australian. He's true blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, maybe by the time Wave 2.0 and all the rest of it come through, um, there'll be enough purple phantoms to uh, to satisfy me, but I'm uh, probably not going to be satisfied until I get a purple Julie. Um, to be honest, um, that would be good. Yeah, I would, I would uh, rather we didn't get another Julie. I would, you know, like we've got the twenty first phantom, we've got Julie. I would like to see something else, something different, not just another twenty first phantom, and not just another Julie in a different color. It is. It's it's a bizarre one because in terms of um, different eras of of Phantom, there's not a lot they can do with this other than mix up the weapons. And they've already given us swords in um, both the Julie and the Phantom from Wave One. Um, the the Julie figure, I was a bit disappointed to be honest to see that we had the same oldie style guns. I'll just hold that up there with the Wave One Point Five. For what it's worth, the, the Julie holds on to the forty fives a lot better than she does. The, um, the, the old revolvers, um, they just fit better in the hand. And, and, and kudos to Boss Fight. Like the, and I'm not going to be able to get that to show on the camera very well, but um, even the, the finger, the index finger, the trigger finger, separates from the rest of the hand and you can put that through the actual um, um, trigger guard, which is, is just um, amazing flexibility and detail, but that won't work on the, on the revolver. Uh, gun. So um, it's hard to know how they're going to be able to do different generations of Phantom, which is probably the logical one. A little Garand would be cool. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, maybe also like pirates or someone to fight yeah, against yeah. them would be another thing as well. Uh, Devil, we haven't seen Devil yet. Uh, I, I am looking forward to Hero because that is Wave 2.0, isn't it? Devil. Uh, uh, well, no, Hero was, point, was Wave 1.0, but they didn't it didn't get a chance to be released, so it's on pre-order now. So okay, yeah. So, but I guess we'll we will only get other waves if everyone purchases. It. And that's the big question: is you know people need to be able to find how to buy it. Um, if you want to know how to buy it, we do have a link which lists a lot of the websites. Uh, Pop Culture has one. 
Uh, you got yours from your local comic book shop. Um, uh, Cult Collectibles, I think, is another one that um, uh, lists, lists them in Australia as well. So there's a few places. But to get Wave 2.0, we will have to probably um, sell a lot of these these figurines. Mm. Well, if you've anyone who's ever been a fan of the Phantom, um, track down one of these toys because... Yeah. I'm still not sold. I know you were you were having the debate in your YouTube clip, Germ, about um, Boss Fight versus Necker and which one's the better toy. Um, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I, I really like the the bigger size and uh, I feel like, of the Necker. Um, the the fact that you can just grab the Boss Fight and straight out of the box and all of the joints move and all the rest of it that is a that is a huge plus that you don't have to spend the time. I also believe the the packaging is better where you can play with it, and then it's easy to display again um, yeah. in the original yeah, you can package. put it away and it's as if it, it looks like it's never been opened, which I guess is going to be a trick for um, buying them down the track too. If, you, if you're buying them secondhand, you, won't, you may not know whether that's, it's already been out of the box and, and played with. Yeah. So, look, I, I think it will be a good discussion down the track. Um, I Look, my neck is, as soon as I figured out that, you had to give it a water bath and all that. I just thought, oh, too hard. I'll leave it in the packet. It's in a pile somewhere. I've got the original. Have you never taken it out of the box? No. Purely because it's it's not, it's harder to put back in the box. You've got to give it a bath. Um, You know, it's just too much effort. But with the, with the hero, with the boss, boss fights one, I've taken it out. I've got a Julie. I've got a Phantom one, and they're posed up in my office. So yeah, and look, uh, I've just I've just reached around behind me and grabbed my Necker Phantom off the shelf where he's been posed. So I I, I do like him. He was well worth the time getting him out of the box. Um, I uh, I like the fact that the boss fight is a more live Phantom. He's he's more realistic as a pose, whereas um, old Necker Phantom and and. Uh, the the original style Phantom is going to come out soon, and, and we can buy that on eBay now. Um, he is a bit more of the, um, the condom stuff with walnuts type character. Um, on that though, and, and absolutely agree with what you say that, that it's fantastic to have a Julie figure. I think she's a little bit too skinny and, and elongated, and the, the neck's certainly part of it. You mentioned that, but even the arms, it's it is harder to create a dy- what looks like a dynamic action pose with the with the female character. I think. Yeah, I actually thought it was better that she was a different mould shape. Oh, oh she's, she's yeah. a different mould to, to the yeah. male. Well. You know, it would have been very easy for them to do what Neck has done and just use the same and, you know, just put on, you know, um, you know, just give her some boobs, give her a bit of long hair, and then voila, she's a female phantom. I like that she's actually a totally different figurine. Mm. But yeah, I was just I was a little bit worried because look, especially her legs seem so small, and I've got these big hands. I didn't want to <laughs> want to wreck it. Um, and uh, you you were able to change the hands over, weren't you, um, Dan? I was, I'm, that was another thing I'm a little bit worried about. Is no, they're, the, they're, it's really well designed. I think it's got those three or four ridges up the wrist that um, that lock it in and out. Um, it is a bit of an effort to pull it off, but. Uh, you know, it's, I've certainly enjoyed um, posing with the with the guns or with the fists and that sort of thing. So, so can you do that with the Necker? And I know this is turning yeah. into a Necker versus boss fights, but can you? Yeah, absolutely. He oh, 
The difference with the necker is that the paint starts to come off. Um, so that's just a single plug, I suppose. And you can see there it's got the purple. That started as, uh, as the same flesh-coloured tone. Um, and that paint has, has come off, pushing it in and out of the wrist. And that just goes back in again like that. Um, whereas the, the boss fight, uh, hold up her wrist there. It's all, it, it is all still the same color. It's just, but it, there's no, there's not that movement on the boss fight, whereas you do have that possibility with the Necker figure. So, you know, the Necker is also a little bit more um, articulated, if you like. There's, it has got more movement in it, even to the, the toes, um, the toes on the Necker. You can point. Uh, I'm trying to get that in a place that you can you can see it, but the toes move up and down on the necker as well, um, which is is great for when you want to pose him kneeling down, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Whereas you don't have that movement in the the boss fight, although you do have um, pretty the good ankles, an ankle rotation, uh, ankle movement there. So the other thing with um, uh, just keep playing with that, and I'll pin you on the screen. So. The other mm. thing with the um, with the necker is you can move, you can take off like the heads and the waist and stuff like that. Can you do that with the necker? Um, no, you can't. Uh, oh, well, actually, you must be able to because the the new and I haven't actually tried. Oh, it the new part. one's got the skull. but the new one comes with the skull that you can swap it. So, so watch me cry on live. Maybe the, the Phantom uh, Defenders of the Earth one isn't designed for it. Uh, we'll have a proper try when we get the uh, the old school striped <laughs> trunks. <laughs> Ooh. I bet you did that. To, did you have sisters by any chance and do that to their Barbie dolls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. it, it's it's the deltoids on this guy on the necker that just are just a bit over the top. Um, that's why you can't get him off because he's got such a strong that's neck right. he's, he's clenching <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, was just, I was just playing it with him to, like you were saying you could put his trigger figure actually through the through the guard there I actually had to take that out it just looked a little bit too uh, lifelike I didn't want him to come to life like uh, Woody on, on um, <laughs> Toy Story or something like that so I've just made him safe again you might be having a little uh, pea shooters sting you in the middle of the night as uh, a <laughs> friend comes to oh, life no, he'd, be, he'd be protecting you because you know he's the guardian <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've just been mucking around with him now, so he's not going to sit stand the way I had him before. I'm going to have to fix him up. Right, yeah. What's worth the boy fandom has his head come off too? I've just discovered. Oh, yeah. Um, as as you can see, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about these toys. We are very excited that they've come, and um, thank you, Boss Fight, for uh, producing a, a high quality figure. That's what it would look like if the uh, <laughs> Julie figure, <laughs> if the Julie figure, figure was just the same body uh, with a yeah. different head. <laughs> Looks like he needs a haircut. Yeah. Uh, so, Fabio Fanon. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Dan, did you just want to make mention of what you talked about with what you learned about um, uh, what was it? about the availability of some of the figurines? Oh, so the icon, icon in Australia are no longer carrying the NECA figures. Um, my understanding is, um, and this is um, nothing official, I suppose, but it's talking to people who would know, is that um, Icon have had a relationship with NECA um, across all of their products for, for something like 20 years. But um, with over the last, well, the period of time since the, the Defenders of the Earth Phantom came out, 
um, not just Defenders of the Earth Phantom in that range, but a lot of the other NECA products, um, they have started selling direct from their website, direct to people. And uh, that's been in, um, I guess it, it's not allowed under the, the contract that they had with Icon. Um, so Icon have decided that they are no longer going to have any dealings with NECA. So you won't be able to get the NECA items through Icon anymore as we were able to when these ones first came out. So that, that arrangement has, uh, has ceased. And they and Icon, as far as I can tell, um, obviously linked to pop culture, they were the only importers of, of this toy um, into Australia at the time, outside the, the privateers, which is, at the again, what has got um, Icon upset is that privateer market. Yeah. That's a shame because I actually was hoping to get it from pop culture. So you can, <laughs> still, get, you can still get your Defenders of the Earth one. They've still got it on their website, don't they? But they don't have the original one, I don't think. No, they don't. They definitely don't have the original one. And they don't have. Um, and then with the boss fights, they've got wave one point oh and one point five, I think, as well. So, but they don't have the other, the power stars and the little blind bags on their website yet either. So, that will be an interesting watch this space. Yeah, but something else that uh, pop culture does have, I'm, I know I'm skipping down the, um, yep, no. the run sheet a little bit, but I thought this was a good segue. Um, they're going to have the, 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 treasure, the Phantom Treasures of Dracon board game. That's, that's appeared up on pop culture, apparently. Yeah. And on Jeff, other games, not just pop culture, but other game sites as well. Keep going, Steve, but I'll just uh, I'll have this up so you can see. This is uh, the, the pop culture website with um, Phantom search results. And here we see... Treasure of Dracon. Fantastic. So it's not just available on the free website. It is now... Well, is it still available on the free website? I don't no, know it's that, not available. Yeah, it's not available on their website anymore. It's um, just on pop culture. And then I think it's also on some game websites as well. So very good. And the price there is uh, $84.99, down from, I think it said $99.99. Uh, yeah, um, that's right. So, uh, and I can't remember now how much it was on the Fruit website. But I feel like it was like 105 or 120. I think that's because we got the um trade paperback as well. Yeah, um, right. Yep, yep, quite possibly. And uh, just confirming, uh, as Jim said there before, that uh, yeah, the uh, there's the Necker Defenders of the Earth, but but yep. not the newer ones. So that's yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised when I went here to see how much Phantom stuff is still available, and uh, I'd completely forgotten about the Iron Studios one, so I got very excited and thought I'd stumbled across something that Jim said, no, 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 that's been on the website for six months. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, very good. Okay. Um, do, you, do you have any problem with it? Because I know there's, there's, there's probably a little bit of chat or muttering about the fact that... Uh, the Phantom board game, which the first time we heard about it was a Kickstarter exclusive. You had to be in the Kickstarter if you were going to get the board game. And then, um, and some people, I guess, liked that idea of the exclusivity of having something that uh, that not a lot of people do have. Um, and and I think I've seemed to remember people sort of muttering when it appeared on the free website going, oh, I didn't expect that. Now it's even more broadly available. Do you have any um, concerns about that? Or, or well, I don't think it was ever that it was never going to be available to the wider public. Must be um, just a misunderstanding with people because I'm glad that it's available to the wider public. The, the more people get to see it, the more people get to see Phantom. 
Mm. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. And I did actually wonder if um, if it was only through Fru putting in all the extra orders that the um, the Kickstarter actually got over the line or certainly contributed to to the Kickstarter um, getting there because they you know they there was a thousand units or whatever it was at the time um, you know so uh, through getting some money back on that um, investment and we all ended up with a board game I've got no problem with it yeah I think that's good okay um, we've got uh, some news out of France and this is not more about uh, Pete Anderson's um, story <laughs> it's um, French publisher, what they call editions, Black and White, are publishing Jean Meton Team Phantom and Stories in a nice-looking hardcover book. Yeah, this is going to be a nice book. It's going to be expensive, um, but if you're a Mitten, uh, Mitten fan who's who only – I think he only did eight stories or something like that, but he's, he's probably one of the better Phantom artists that we've ever seen. Um, if you've liked his work – um, and you're, you like your hardcover, hardcover books and stuff, I reckon this will be a must buy. Something for everyone's chronicle chamber. That's it. You've already got yours on pre-order, Jim? No, I don't actually, not yet. Um, I, look, I probably will buy it, but, um, yeah, I'm still debating. Kind of just getting all my stuff in order for Supernova and all that. <laughs> first things first. Um, German. What's we got going on here? Two two comic publications in publishers in Germany. Yes, so uh, there's the Wick publications, which we'll talk about in a second, and then there's the the Zoo Bursten comics, which have got the nice um, put a German accent on it. Yeah, Zorberstein, <laughs> Zorberstein. <laughs> um, and then there's yeah, so then they've got the cover. So they they both come out uh, middle of June. Uh, there's a couple of comic conventions and stuff like that. Now, what I'm going to do... Are they both, both is, going to be published in red? Uh, Using red ink? No. No, oh. no, no. So... Um, Can't be German, then. The, the Zerberbursten uh, stories. The first one is going to be actually the... Which one is it? This one. It's going to be this story. Uh, the, oh, the Ghost and the Monster. Ghost and the Monster is going oh, to be right. in the first German issue for Zuberstein. Oh, really? Um, and then there's yeah, also yeah. going to be a, uh, a Lee Fork, Fred Frederick's story as the backup. Um, so that starts then. And then in, um, where are we? Sorry, I'm just trying to. And then with so, the Wick. So it must be quite a large book. Yeah. Thing. It's going to be like, um, what do you call it? Uh, I can do it. Yeah, there. And then the WIC publications, this is going to... So we've got copies of the 12, um, what do you call it, different issues. So these are the covers. So these were all drawings from a Turkish artist who's living in uh, Germany. Um, so there's some great artwork here. Um, so these are the 12. It's, going to, it's a series of 12 issues. Um, so, yeah, and they are £12.50 each. And then I actually have... Euros, so, mate. Euros, sorry. Yep. Um, if you are on YouTube, you want to keep an eye on this because I've actually just received a digital copy of um, the first issue. So I'm just going to show that. Just bear with me while I share my screen again. So that's a bit of an unusual tactic to release all 12 covers 
um, ahead of the first one even being published? Yeah, so it's just really to kind of let you know what's happening. So it's 36, pa uh, 36 pages. You've got your intro. And then these are the stories. These are the Bastia stories. For This is for WIC publications now that were originally created or some that were not yet published for them from the 1980s. And they've been uh, retouched up by the, the artists um, and rewritten where needed by, um, the, uh, by the German creator called Peter. So this Peter is the Minigan? Peter Minigan, yep. So this is the first issue here, um, which you can see here. So it's in black and white. Um, and then you've got your stories. Look at that. The Phantom shoots a stick of dynamite, let me show you, and cuts the, uh, the fuse. With the bullet, well, he can cut. He can shoot a flea off a rampaging bullock's ear. Of course, he can. That's just uh, that's just amazing. Oh, how he can do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is the first issue here. Uh, well, get one full page. There we go. So just kind of flicking it through, so you can kind of see what's going on. Um, this art, some of this artwork's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I would love to see some of this in colour. I reckon some of it in colour would look really, really good. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought we'll show everyone kind of like that and then um, go to our website. You can have a look at some of the, um, uh, the covers. You can have a look at the details of what stories have already been published, what stories are yet to be published and everything like that as well. So, um, yeah, go to our website. You won't be disappointed in having a look at that. It looks like it will be a great series. Um, we have organised a Phantom fan in Germany who will be reviewing these for us as well. So mm -hmm. as they come up, they'll be in our Comics and News podcast, and then we'll stick some of them up on YouTube and stuff like that as well for, for fans. Very good. Good work. Well done. Okay. Now, talking about fans, fans now have an opportunity to get into through stories. Through um, giving the opportunity, I think it was in, uh, was it 1917, I think? Or was it, no, it was an email. An email that yeah, came out right. from Dudley. Um, letting us know that if you want to be in a, in a random story, you could have to, I think, take a photo. Of, was it a headshot or a full body shot? Yeah, both. Uh, Yep, do both, and you uh, supply a bit of information about what type of story you'd want to be in. And um, if they think, oh, I reckon that'd be a perfect match for this story, and then they'll invoice you, was it $700? Yeah, yep. the cost is 700 and you don't get invoiced until the story's been started. So that might be yep. next week, might be a year or two down the track. So if you can afford to just put $700 on ice for the moment... Uh, for the for the chance to get into a um, to a phantom story, go right ahead. Uh, now, uh, one of you. I was also thinking not all of us are like Pistol Pete or um, or Jamie. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Who've <laughs> been able to pop into a, a fair few stories? Well, Jamie recently, and Pistol Pete over a number of years. So this might be an opportunity for the the common fan to to get in. Well, common fan with deep pockets. Any of you guys? Well, yeah. Can do it? 
no, mate, I, I don't have $700 to spend on that. And I don't want to see myself as a roughneck um, getting a skull mark. And that's pretty much the only character I'm going to be. <laughs> right there, you reckon. Um, one of those um, Wilson I'll come McCoy. back in as a vulture. <laughs> <laughs> one of those Wilson McCoy bad guys, you know. The... <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, nice football ears. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great idea. Um, I reckon there will be quite a few fans that will do it. Um, you know, what I reckon one way they could have really added to the value of it was, you know, if they actually get that original page, like, so say for instance, if you're in the story, the artist has to draw that traditionally and you get that page as well. Because you could hope so, you're spending that much money to well, get in there. I, I, there's been no mention of that, but mm. I think it would just be awesome because then. Then you would have like, and you know, and not every fan's into art and all that. But if you're like, well, hang on, I'm in this story. I've got the, I've got the original. Then you can do, you know, what it looks like in the free comic. That's like a, a frame piece that, you know, people can get their husbands, their wives. You know, it's it's a real statement piece. It's a real, it's a big splash piece that you could do. You could stick it in your pool room. You know, it's a real conversation piece. They will then buy 20 comics, 20 copies of that comic and give to all their families. I think it's a good idea. Hmm. Um, I would like to see the option of maybe getting the original. original And look, whether they've already thought that through or not, even if you don't get the original for your $700, you should at least absolutely get dibs on buying it first um, (laughs) or dibs on on the pages or pages that you'd like to buy. Um, and, uh, and, and I agree, Jim, that would be, would be something that people would, uh, chase up, I think, because, uh, who wouldn't want to, you, again, you'd want to be, um, you'd want to be shaking hands or arms around the phantom. You wouldn't be the, wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to be the one on the other end. <laughs> even if, even if you were like you, Dan, and got punched in the face or, you know, punched in between the V on the, as, as the vulture <laughs> or something in like Popsy in the wharf rat style, um. I think it would still be an iconic piece that will feature very proudly in a lot yeah. of people's in a lot of people's yeah, houses. Um, the other advantage of it, which I don't think it's been mentioned or thought about or even discussed, is that it's a great way of through saving some money on the cost of producing stories as well. Oh no, hundred percent. That's exactly what it's about. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. uh, that's getting people to like if they if, if the three of us all did it, um, and the and they go, you know what? We can put the three of you in the same story, and suddenly there's twenty one hundred bucks. It's all gone towards <laughs> you know the the creative Sorted. costs. Yeah, yeah, and you know, look, I'm not sure what they charge what 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 they get charged per page but i would assume at a, at a pure guess it's probably at least two pages worth for 700 dollars. so you're right if you get two fans in there there's four maybe five pages that's already been covered for so they're only having to pay for 15 pages instead of 22 pages it's actually a really clever um way of raising in a bit of extra funds for the production of a story mm. um it give it actually well some artists i suppose would uh, may feel may be hampered by that but most artists would also like hey this is a bit what the character looks like and then go with that so yeah. um you know it's it's no skin off their nose you wouldn't have thought um they've got to find some sort of picture to base it on or, or an idea to base it on anyway so um 
Yeah, it's a it's a clever idea. Money for nothing from from their point of view, um, in a sense, but um, something quite special from the um, from the buyer's end. So, and it gives yeah, it gives the fans a bit of ownership, a bit of you know of of that story and all. I think it's I think it's a good idea. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if um, those reporters from Kid Phantom in England are ever going to show up again. <laughs> Yeah, that, would, that now looks like a real bargain, doesn't it? Us appearing in. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I still get a chuckle out of that. I reckon that's brilliant. Um, next up, I'm not too sure about this one. I tried clicking on the link to have a read and it didn't work for me. Uh, the Phantom published again in Assam language. What is the Assam language? So I'm not sure if you're pronouncing it correctly. Probably not. Uh, I'm probably not. Uh, it's a language, it's an Indian language. Up. Uh, and then yeah, I definitely but, am not. <laughs> um, so, see, so, so, uh, now I'm going to now I want to stuff up. Uh, Siaj, who's a friend of the Are podcast, Siaj, yeah, he that's his native language um, in the, from the state of India that he is from, um, and the, the article's written by him, um, just talking a bit about the history of the Phantom from that state, uh, and also about the comic being published in that language so it's an interesting article uh there's like a a magazine that's been published once a month which features a page or two from the phantom um from one of the in the Inja jail comic uh also in july august maybe there is going to be an article written by uh Siaj who uh about the phantom that's going to appear in that magazine as well so so yeah so it's pretty cool it's good to see the Phantom in India, now produced in Hindi, Bengala, English, and Tamil, and now Assam. So it's, it's good. Yeah, really good to, um, to hear. And um, on that positive note, I think we've come to the end of the podcast, fellas. We have. So as always, you can always check us out on chroniclechamber.com. You can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube or to our podcast, you can do so through YouTube or through iTunes or through any Spotify or any other uh, podcast app. Um, please hit the, the notification button and all the bells and all the whistles, all that sort of stuff, so you know when we have put out something new. So uh, from me, happy fanning and enjoy uh, reading the fandom over the next couple of months until we talk to you again. Happy Phantom says happy Happy Phantom. Also, shout out to Sean.